Hello ladies and gentlemen, it is the Baggies Broadcast Season 4, Episode 4. My name is Luke Hatfield and as ever, I am joined by the king of the 10.30pm tweet. None other than West Bromwich Albion reporter, Joe Massey. Joe, hello. Hello, I wish I was the king of the 10.30 tweet, pal. I think they've been a bit, I've uh, not had as many as I would have liked this window, to be honest. Oh, but you're keeping people on their toes. I know you'll get like messages every night saying, 10.30 tonight, question mark. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, mate, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, and this is my bit of an excuse, actually. I'll get my excuses in early, might as well. As soon as you've teed me up for it, I didn't know this was coming. Because it's Premier League. Mm. There's so much more um, like media interest, isn't there? There's so many more, I've got so much more competition now. Whereas in the last season, let's be honest... There wasn't that many nationals sniffing around Albion, but there's a lot more now. Um, so I kind of want to get something. I have to go a bit earlier with it because I can't hold things like I used to uh, mm-hmm. for 10.30. So they are there. 10.30, so I set myself up for a bit of a fall with that because they're suddenly a lot harder to, a lot harder than they used to be. <laughs> you have set yourself up a little bit. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it is more competitive. You know, there's... There's, I'm, I'm sure there's more people in and out of the Hawthorns, uh, despite there being no fans in terms of press. Yeah, because you've got, you know, the Nationals are all over it. You've got Sky there every week now. Uh, BT Sport on occasion. It's 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 not easy, mate, is it? No, it's, well, the press box is transformed, mate. To be honest, um, obviously still missing your good self, um, but they won't let you in. But they're letting everyone else in, pal. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Um, so yeah there's loads of absolutely yeah honestly it's a different world I, mean, I think I said it on the podcast last week but you wouldn't believe the post-match um, obligation Slavin has um, you just watch him go to from interview to interview to interview to interview to interview it's absolutely crazy um, and let's be honest like the first two or three questions are pretty much always the same which essentially what did you think of the game and what did you think of sort of the game's biggest talking point, if you like? So, mm. yeah, it's, it's mental, it is mental. But, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, look, the deadline's approaching, isn't it? We've got, what's it, it's uh, Monday, first deadline, mm. and then the 16th, the, um, the de- next deadline. So, need to need to, need to get one or two good 10 before then, don't I? Yeah, I was going to say to you, are you ready for a, for a hectic uh, end of the week and weekend? Because, you know, Monday, as you said, is is the is the uh, let's say that the foreign transfer deadline where they can bring in foreign players outside of you know the EFL? Um, a bit weird that is how you're having two deadlines. It's kind of strange. But um, are you ready for the for the for the for the hectic nature of it? Um, I am not. I'm not expecting it. I mean, we're getting into transfer talk early here, but I'm not. I'm not massively expecting it to be that busy. Um, I think we all know that Albion want the striker. I think we all know that they'd like that striker to be Carlin Grant. And I think we all know that they've got sort of their ducks in a row and have a striker's lined up if they can't get that deal done. But I don't think there'll be much more in terms of incomings um, other than that striker. Uh, If I I was a better man, I had to put a bet on it, I think there'll be one more addition. There there might be two, you never know. They might spring a surprise and get an extra one over the line. But I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting though because... The big thing with this, so like we said, there's two deadlines, isn't there? There's obviously um, Monday, which is for when Albion can sign players from the Premier League and abroad. Mm. And then there's a second deadline, which is 
that they can do they can still deal with EFL clubs basically they can still bring in players from the football league the reason why there's that second deadline is because of coronavirus um, and essentially because EFL clubs wanted as long as possible to be able to sell players um, mm. and obviously that's perhaps but you can it is strange like you say but you can see now with the news sort of last week because I think it was last week when it was announced that fans wouldn't be coming back from October the 1st you can sort of see why that's more important now um, because clubs, all clubs budgeted to have fans back. They, they obviously didn't expect to be sort of getting sell-out crowds, but they expected to have some funds coming in from, from fans, um, and that won't happen now. So at least EFL clubs, let's be honest, they're the ones who need the money. Um, Albion aren't rich, but they're in the Premier League, that, so all Premier League clubs are going to be okay. But... It's at least it gives those EFL clubs an extra week to sell a player if they really need to now, based on the fact that they won't have that money coming in. But the interesting thing from Albion's perspective is what we know is they like Carlin Grant as a number one, but we also know that they like some strikers abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, Niang from Mets is one of them um, that we know they've acquired about. So, But obviously they can only sign those players from Monday. Yes, they can get Carlin Grant after Monday, but but on Monday or before they they can only get they can only sign foreign players abroad from that Monday and before does that make sense yeah from Monday and before so if Albion don't sign Carlin Grant say on Monday they're suddenly their pool of strikers is a lot smaller isn't it that they're shopping in they can't there isn't as many available so it is an interesting one because behind Carlin Grant we think. Andre Gray and Troy Deeney are very realistic options. Of course, they're in the championship as well, so they again can be done up until the 16th. But I'll be going to want to get this striker in by Monday, you'd imagine. But we'll see. They've been trying to get it done all summer, so it could still be a long, long way to go. Mm, certainly could be. Right, let's talk about the game we just had, uh, Joe, before we get back into transfers. Um, and it was a right dinger, wasn't it? West Brom 3, Chelsea 3. Uh, what's a game of football? I mean, that was absolutely bizarre, wasn't it? I mean, I, I was watching it obviously from home. Uh, you were fortunate enough to be there, but I tell you what, what what a game! You were working, weren't you? No. Oh no, that's right. You weren't. You weren't working. That's right. You were just watching at home, like the rest of Albion fans were. That's right. So I got confused because you were texting me throughout the game. And I, and I just assumed, obviously, because you were texting me, you were obviously working. But that's right. No, it was. Sorry, I forgot you. What you're watching now? I've been in your free time again. That's right. Can um, I just clarify? Before you continue your next sentence, can I just clarify? There'll be there'll be Albion fans who would have watched Aston Villa beat Fulham the other day because the football is on. Yeah, but I'm watching the football. But but the, but those Albion fans watching Villa won't love Villa, so it's not comparable at all. I love. But that you're right. Game. It was brilliant. Absolute um, crazy game. I said, I said, because um, you weren't working, because I had to see my post match video with Nathan Judah. Uh, yeah. um, How was that, by the way? That's <laughs> <it's> fine. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he doesn't show the same enthusiasm for Albion as you do, because he hasn't got the same affection for them, which is always a bit disappointing. But Judah's always great at these vids, isn't he? He loves uh, it. He loves it. Um, I said to him on the video, I. I genuinely don't know what my emotions are. I don't know how I feel. Um, because um, on the one hand, as a point against Chelsea, everyone, absolutely everyone would have snapped their hands off for it before kickoff. It's Chelsea. Getting that first point on the board's absolutely massive. Um, 
but then obviously when you're three 0 up at half time, um, and I've got to say, I, um, I'm, I still I feel Albion had a huge sense of injustice um, for two of the three Chelsea goals. I, I, I stand by that. I'm, I think Darnell Furlong was was fouled in the build up um, to the second one, um, and that third goal is handball. <laughs> it's handball. Um, everyone, it feels like everyone in the Premier League um, has had a handball decision basically this weekend. The, the most ridiculous handballs you could possibly imagine. Eric Dyer and what was the other one? Oh, uh, Joel Ward at Crystal Palace. Yeah. And and then the one that is handball, that doesn't get given. And I, I know the rules, I know what people say about, oh, it's in the second phase and this, that and the other, blah de blah de blah de blah de blah But the truth is... <laughs> The ball went in less than five seconds after it struck his hand. I don't care about phase one, phase two, phase eight, whatever. If it doesn't hit his hand, the ball's gone out for a goal kick, and that's the end of it. Um, I think it's an absolute shambolic rule. Um, and because of that, it was devastating, and, and Phil still feel a little bit angry about it now. But I think now time has settled a little bit, now the dust has settled a little bit. I am happy with the point. I feel a lot happier with the point today than I did on at the weekend but still it wrangles a little bit it does wrangle yeah it does because I tweeted after the game saying I think a lot of Albion fans will be gutted at the way they've got that point in the fact that as you said they were 3-0 up um, at half time and then obviously the way they came back it obviously feels like a defeat but at the same time you know those three first games for Albion I'm not saying they were all free hits because you can't just say every every game against a decent side in the league is a free hit. But they weren't expecting to get too many points from them games. So to get a point against Chelsea at home, I know you're at home, doesn't matter. They're, they're a very good side. They've got Kai Havertz, who costs 70 million plus. You've got Timo Werner, who costs silly money. They've got Kepa, who didn't even play, who costs 75 million on the bench. There's a lot of money being sent on that side. So I think the point you, you've, you've got to be happy with I'm I'm not going to lie to you, though. I I I think the third goal. If Albion, if it was the other way round, and Albion score that goal, and then the referee says no nah, handball, you'd be absolutely fuming. I don't. I, two seasons ago, I don't think anyone's asking for that to be handball. I think yeah. I think I, I genuinely think it's handball. I I can't um, say it any other way. Really, I think. It, if it, the, the ball's at his hand, and whether it's two years, you're right. You're right. Two years ago, you might not be, but we, like we, this is the way. This is the world we live in now, isn't it? We live in the VAR world. We live where every every decision is essentially goes to the monitor or whatever goes to VAR. And the truth is that we have seen so many lesser handballs this weekend, and not just this weekend for the last two years. We've seen so many. Mm. Um, he keeps the move alive. If he does, if the ball doesn't touch his hand, Chelsea don't score that goal. Um, and I just think, uh, I mean, look, Bilic said it. Bilic, but almost refused to talk about it after the game. He just said, like, he essentially said something along the lines of, "It's it's just so ridiculous that I even have to discuss it. It's handball. It's as simple as that. It's handball. There's just there's nothing else to say on the matter." Um, I and I honestly, I completely agree with him. Um, I think, I think it's a joke decision. I think, like, it's 
it's very easy to get bitter and twisted about things, but I really, really, really think Albion have been really unlucky um, in these last two games. Um, I, I think that I think Dominic Calvert Lewin was really lucky to get that that first goal at Everton. Really, oh, I agree with that. Really, really lucky to get that goal. Um, again, I think there's a case Darnell Furlong was fouled. They're so Everton is so lucky that ball's come off his head. Um, so so lucky, and then. The Gibbs thing, look, uh, Everton, it was just ridiculous. Um, and I think I think it's gone against. I think it's gone against them again, um, against Chelsea. I really, really do. Um, yeah. I was disappointed with the officials all night. I've got to be honest. Like, I really saw. Uh, it's it's obviously subconscious. It's not. Um, it's not they don't do it deliberately, but that I felt Chelsea got an awful lot of decisions their way. Um, mm. Awful lot of decisions their way. Just fifty-fifty calls that. Um, basically went Chelsea's way because they were Chelsea. There, there was one in particular where um, they had someone had a shot, I can't remember who it was, they claimed a deflection, there wasn't a deflection, the linesman didn't know, he took a second, a couple of seconds to think about it and then pointed... He did that to, thing where he tentatively kind of points his tentatively flag to the corner, the corner And I just thought, that's a joke, That's he's given that because he's, because he's assuming that Timo Werner's shot was on target because he's Timo Werner basically and he cost 52 million quid or whatever he cost it was and uh, Albion probably had it last season didn't they in the, in the championship they probably had a few decisions go their way because they were a bigger club and they were sort of playing on the front foot and really sort of dominating the ball and dominating chances so it swings and roundabouts but it's just it's just um, it frustrated me it frustrated me I see where you're coming from there and I think this is where not having fans in grounds hurt sides a little bit because the whole idea of home advantage is obviously you've got the fans behind you and that, like it or not, fans can have a big impact on, on decisions like that, I think, because a line is, a, an assistant referee is going to be stood there thinking, oh, okay, if I point to the corner, I'm not too sure, but if I point to the corner, I'm going to be getting pelters here. Whereas, because there's no fans in the ground, he can go, you know what, yeah, probably a corner, why not? Yeah, and he knows he's yeah. going to... He's, he's, he's not necessarily getting bailed out, but there are no fans there to give him the stick. I think if, if fans are in that ground and it's a sellout, I don't think they get that. I agree completely. And, and like I said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be critical of officials. I'm, I, I genuinely, I, I don't for one minute think they do it deliberately. Um, I think it's a subconscious thing. But mm. I think maybe at, at home, when Albion are at home against someone like a Chelsea, the home crowd would even out in their head, oh, it's Chelsea, if you know what yeah. I mean. Oh, it's Man United, oh, it's whoever. Um, I think that would then balance it because of, this, because of the abuse they get from the crowd, because of, the, the, of what will come their way. Um, so, yeah, um, frustrating. The one thing I do want to say um, on the Chelsea game is um, I think... I got a bit of criticism for my player ratings because I said I don't think Sam Johnston was at fault for any of the goals. I stand by that. Um, I don't think he was at fault for any of them. You don't uh, think the first one? Oh, definitely, definitely not the first one. No, I think it's a cracking hit from Mason Mount. Uh, I think it's a good hit, but it's near. It's near post. I mean, I'm, I'm Johnston's been really good for Albion. I think, and I think he gets a lot of harsh criticism. I, I did watch it back though, and I think he might be unsighted, so I might be a little bit. Maybe I'm being a little bit too strong. But he hits it. He does hit it well, but it is near post. And I did think he got caught maybe slightly flat-footed for it. I think maybe he could have anticipated it a bit better. But then again, it's, it's a tough one. 
Um, but I do think he was caught maybe maybe slightly off guard by it. I think uh, I think everyone was, if I'm being honest. I don't, I don't think anyone expected Mount to go the way he went. Mm. Uh, I mean, if you look at Johnson's position, he's bang in the middle of his goal. I'd really, really think uh, the criticism Johnson has got for that goal for conceding it has come from the fact that he hasn't moved. Um, I think if he'd made some sort of if he just fallen to the floor in the direction of the ball, he might have got less criticism for it. Um, mm. Because I think that's what doesn't look great for him. But there's, to me, he's not stopping that. Um, it was a good hit. I'll give him that. It, it was a very good hit. It was a good hit. It was going in a direction that um, I don't think anyone expected the ball to go in. That's why I think it's a clever hit. From He struck it cleanly, but I think it's a clever hit from Mason Mount. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it happened very quickly. He, he collects the ball. He spins away from Livermore and bang. It's, it's, it's in the back of the net. So... I think it's really harsh to criticise Johnson for that one and the third one, which I think happened super fast. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, he, do, um, he does well to make the initial save. I think. I think he does well to make the initial save. And I'm not having sort of... Tammy Abrams there to tap it in, but to be honest, I think I just think that's pure luck. There'll be people who say that it's predatory instinct or whatever. He's in the right place at the right time. And maybe maybe there's an element of that. But to be honest, I don't think there is. I think he just got lucky and the ball essentially fell at his feet. I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything more to it than that. The one... The one thing, the only thing that frustrated me um, about the, the third goal from an Albion perspective, and uh, and I've said this before, um, is that I think Albion are too nice. Mm. Um, and I'm not, I, what they accept, I personally think they accept things a little bit too easily. Mm-hmm. And I think, someone actually said to me, um, at the club, if, if Darren Fletcher was playing for Albion that day, he would have been in the referee's face and he would have been screaming at the referee, go and look at the monitor, go and look at the monitor, go and look at the monitor. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to condone that sort of aggressive referee confrontation, um, but, but, but it's the Premier League and, and, and that is what other teams do. If you do that, you're only giving out what you're getting. Um, mm. Especially the top sides. The top sides are masters. I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson's Man United. Uh, I mean, Alex Ferguson basically labelled the blueprint for it of intimidating referees. Um, yes. And I just think I understand they're crestfallen, but I, I want. I just wanted to see someone because I think you know. I think there's a chance. Is it, well, obviously there is a chance, but I think you could you could have maybe got that referee to go to the monitor. Uh, I think you could have put the. I could. I think there's a chance you could put the official under enough pressure. If you, if you're, you there, Luke? Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. muted it. Sorry. Um, like I think you can. But I think you could have put them under enough pressure. To maybe, maybe not. Maybe you'll get a yellow card. Maybe you'll tell you to go away, and maybe that'll be the end of it. But I don't know. I just, I just want a bit more. Nastiness. I want a bit more, a bit more streetwise because I think, I, it, like I said, it may not happen, but I think there's a chance that you could have put the referee under enough pressure to go and look at the monitor. And I, and I think if he goes to the monitor, I think there's a chance he rules it out. Mm. Um, because for, I, you do see, like I know uh, it's it's happened a lot in the Premier League when a referee goes over to the monitor. More often than not, in fact, I'd be surprised if there's been a, a point where. They've gone over to the monitor and not overturned the decision. Yeah, I think I think you lose these people in Stockley Park or wherever it is. 
they they lose the timing of it when they they they're obviously not in the ground and then they watch it and they watch it again and watch it again and they watch it again and they watch it again and they watch it at super slow mo and super slow mo again and da 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 and then they've spent this thirty seconds one minute however many two minutes looking at looking at this video and what you forget is that that the ball came in there was a clearance and it came back in and then it was in the back of the net and it was that quick mm. and and when you realise it's that quick this. This phase one, phase two element, to me, that's the, all part of the same move. I understand second balls and second... I understand phases of play and stuff. I really, really do. But is that a different phase? Really? I mean, I, the players are essentially in the same positions. Yeah. Like, they've I, barely moved. Um, I agree with you on that point in terms of the phases. I don't really buy into that. I think... A phase for me in that situation should be the ball needs to exit the third, I think, as opposed to oh he's played a pass it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, so the phase apparently is 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 how Robson Carney's clearance, which wasn't a great clearance, um, but I don't know. Like a phase, if he'd cleared that sort of, sort of to say halfway, and then you hear someone from Albion shout get up. And they all start to move, and then the ball comes back in. I'd be like, "Yeah, kind of." That's a different phase now. Mm. But it was it was essentially a rubbish clearance. The ball's back in the box. Yeah. And I, I can't see how that is a separate phase of play. Um. So I don't know. I just find it. I just find it frustrating. But but and I, and I think a referee maybe at a monitor who was at the game who were who was experienced it all real time. I think he might cotton on to that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but but we're going over all the like. It's just a, it's making me angry again. But the bottom line is that it was it was a damn good point. It was a damn good point. Um, off and running um, and delighted delighted for Callum Robinson. Absolutely delighted for him because he mm. scored two absolute cracking goals. Yeah, he did. And before I get onto them, uh, did you watch match of the day two? Uh. Darren Fletcher was on there. You just oh yeah, I did. I did. I did watch it. Yeah. He was absolutely fantastic as a pundit. I thought. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the goods. The, the obviously plenty of positives. Uh, first off, in particular, I thought it was a brilliant performance. Um, really, Albion really did pounce on Chelsea whenever there was because obviously a lot of the the national coverage about it was oh how bad were Chelsea? Can't believe you know Chelsea did this and Chelsea did that. This mistake, that mistake. I think Albion forced them into their mistakes at times. I thought they pounced on them when they needed to because um, they could have quite easily sat back. And, for example, the second goal, Thiago Silva, he takes a little bit of a sloppy touch. He's almost Gerard-esque. Um, oh, that's harsh. That's become Gerard-esque. I mean, what? it was. It, it was very similar. He takes the first touch. He misplaces the first touch and, and, and suddenly Callum Robinson's on it. If, you know, if Albion weren't... I don't want to say if they weren't up for the game. If they were looking to be really defensive, I don't think they would have pounced on that the way they did. I think I think Albion really did pick their moments and pounced well on those mistakes and they kind of forced those mistakes, knowing that you know, there were players in that Chelsea side, particularly at the back, that um, that are either new to the league or or aren't the best. Yeah, I agree, I agree completely. I mean, Marcus Alonso had an absolute shocker. Um, yeah. And there's absolutely no doubt Albion exploited that. 
Um, they really targeted him in that first half. I mean, Darnell Furlong was absolutely exceptional against him. Um, and he was rightly taken off at half-time before going for a sulk on the team bus, apparently. Yeah, he went to go um, and watch the guys of the game on the bus. Apparently got a right dressing down for it. It is weird, because I, I, we did actually... The, the press room... Uh, where you, the press room that you love, where you get your food. Um, yeah. Oh, it's obviously redundant at the minute because there's no food. Mm. Um, uh, but like, it, for people who don't know, it like looks out over to over the pitch, doesn't it? It's a beautiful press room, beautiful view of the pitch. It's brilliant. I think it's one of the best press rooms I've, I've, you can work in, to be honest. Uh, hands down, yeah. I think it's absolutely. Uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant that I do. There could be a, a few more seats, maybe, but other than that. Yeah, well, I agree. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? But. He was in there in the second half. And I thought, that's odd. I looked over and said to Steve Makeley, I said, Marcus Alonso's watching the game in there. Um, that's weird. Because like, he wasn't with the subs or anything. Um, but anyway. Now you yeah. know why. Now I know why. Um, but yeah, exploited that. Thiago Silva. Um, yeah, like you said, Albion knew he's new, knows, he's, knows he's new to the league. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that they, they exploited that as well. I think... Cat, I just think I think it was I think it was quite an easy target. Really, I know he's a quality player, but maybe it's really naive of me to say this. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of French football, but to me, playing at the back for PSG cannot be the same as playing in the Premier League. Oh no! And let's um, be honest. I mean, and I don't, I don't always want to do this because he's an older player, but he's not the quickest. And as you said, he's been playing in a team where, let's be honest, PSG nine times out of ten. Centre backs have. I'm not going to say they're passengers, but they've got a bit of an easy ride. You would have thought so. You would have thought so. I mean, they win the league very easily every season, don't they? Mm. Um, and obviously, they've done well in the Champions League, so it gets tested at that level. But yeah, I think it was. I think it was quite clever. And I, and you've got to give huge credit to Callum Robinson because the one thing we sort of everybody says this. But the one thing that has really like hit me about the Premier League is just how clinical teams are, really. Mm. Um, like the Championship is a damn good league, and it's got a lot of really, really good footballers in it. Um, but these these are a different breed in the Premier League. They're just, and it's like everyone's superhuman, really. They're just a mate. Like they're so ruthless. Um, and Albion only got three shots on goal. Um, against Chelsea um, so and Camden Robinson's two finishes weren't easy I mean I don't think the second one was easy but the first one obviously was a really good finish first one was a great finish so it's massive that he's he's, he's taken them like that I think it's, um, that's a, that bodes really well for the future I think he's such a good player I do I've liked him from the moment he arrived um, and this guy just yeah hopefully it continues I really hope he flourishes I think he's he's smashing player Mm. Uh, third goal as well I thought was really really well worked I know it's a set piece but the way Albion set up they made sure that, that Furlong had room and it looked like it had been worked on I mean I'm sh- I'm, I'm pretty sure that didn't come out of nowhere um, and it was a really good finish from Carl Bartley of all people it was a cracking little finish wasn't it yeah cracking little finish uh, and I'm, I'm pleased I'm really pleased because I always say Albion lads are nice lads, but he is a really nice lad, Carl Bartley. I interviewed him a couple of times, and, he, and he's he's really nice. And and like I've had, like he hasn't had the best start to the season. Don't enjoy writing like player ratings and marking like low and stuff. But so it was nice to give him a good rating on on after that game and see him score that goal really because mm. he does. Um, 
He's a good bloke. I thought he was really good as well. Despite conceding, I mean, I know they conceded three, but I thought he was really good, particularly in the air. Yeah, he was dominant in the air, wasn't he? I, th- I think it's hard to pinpoint mistakes for, for, for the Chelsea goals. I really do. Um, I genuinely believe Mount's hit is a cracking hit. Um, the second uh, was really well worked as well, that little one too. That's the one Billich pointed to, but as a maybe mistake. But again, I think that I think that's quite harsh. It's a cracking one too. Um, played so quick. Um, and then the third, I, A, I think it's handball, but B, I just think it's a scramble. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and like I said, I think Abraham's just got a bit lucky, really, where he stood. And I think the issue that Albion so probably had as well, the timing of that first goal just worked against them so much, didn't it? Because you get into the second half, you get say you get 15, 20 minutes in and you're still 3-0. The, the, the positivity or the... Or the the confidence in Chelsea trying to get back into the game really starts to drain then. I think 10 minutes when that goal goes in, it just, they know they've got enough time. Albion will maybe set five, got five yards back or five yards deeper. And then it just, it maybe invites a little bit more. Although I, th- I think another day, I mean, Romain Sawyer's had a had a, a shot which whistled by the post. Another day they could have, they could have maybe nicked a fourth goal, but the timing of the goal didn't help them, did it? No, I agree. I do agree. That's a, a, I do agree that to to spin that into a positive, I think Albion did really well to them to weather the storms after the two goals they conceded. Because mm. fifty five minutes, you thought, oh no, like it was a bad time to concede. You know, like exactly like you say, thirty five minutes to go, Chelsea no, don't know they've got enough time basically. Um, but you, you sort of feared. Because goals can come in quick succession, can't they? And you sort of feared that they might fold up maybe with the with the amount of pressure they're coming under. But I mean, it was fifty five minutes amount goal. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say it was about seventy for for Callum Hudson Odoi. I can't remember now. Yeah, probably about then. Um, so they 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 regrouped and, and kept doing what they were doing, and then obviously they've 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 held on to the three two lead for another twenty minutes as well before. Um, well, just before the 93rd minute equaliser, but yeah, devastating. Yeah, certainly. Um, but like like you said, I mean, hopefully Albion will see the positives from that as opposed to the negatives of conceding three in that second half. Um, because there was there were so many good signs to take. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we, it's yeah. It's when you when you relive it like we just have, you do feel a bit a bit down again. But that's what. No one ever expected. We let's be honest. We all kind of thought there was a real chance that after three games that we'd have no points. Mm. Um, but we've got a point on the board. We've shown against Chelsea, you can take on anyone. Um, played some really good football, and I think I think the, the the biggest the biggest plus for me is every every single game Albion have got better. Yeah. Um, they're better against Everton than they were against Leicester. They're better against Chelsea than they were against Everton. Um, um, and I think that bodes very, very well. I think they're adapting to the level. Look, they've played those games without without any new signings. Is that right? Bar C- Callum Robinson, if you count, yeah, because he was. But yeah, no, no. Do you count Dean Garner? Um, yeah, they've got. They've only. They've played that. Let's say they've played that. Those games. It's essentially the same. It's squad. It's the same squad, isn't it? Same same team that they had in the championship. So they've now got Brendan Slavovanovic to come in. They've now got Conor Gallagher to come in, um, and. Hopefully, hopefully, they'll have a striker as well. So, um, 
gradually getting better, adapting to the level. I think I think everyone knows Albin can score goals. Mm. Um, just going to be keeping them out, but I think. But um, I think we're all. I think it's definitely a huge point against Chelsea, and things really, really feel they're moving in the right way. Yeah, they certainly do, um, and that kind of segues well to to, to our transfer talk now. Uh, Joe, because they're not a complete squad yet. Um, Philip Philip Krunic is back though, so that's great news, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, if I, if it was, I mean, the announcement yesterday was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. Little Mateus. Just used to take that day off, by the way. Uh, it's only one story you had to write, wasn't it? Oh yeah, but it's a big one. Um, well, Krunic, I've, I've, I've practically wrote he's come back fifteen times, updating True. the story, um, but. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a brilliant announcement, absolutely brilliant announcement. Mateus doing it, and then Philip jumping in. I thought that was quality. Um, and I, I genuinely like. I mean, I'm literally repeating what Bilic says, but I think second half of the season he became a lot more important. Mm. Um, he arrived having just got over quite a nasty injury, which probably explains why he took a little bit of time to settle. Um, but I think he got better and better and better. I genuinely think he's like a number eight midfielder. Yeah. Um, I think he can carry I think I said last I didn't think there was anyone in the squad really who could carry the ball like he could carry it in the middle of the park he's had his assists to his game he's got. He's become more of a goal threat Slavin always says that he makes players around him better he says it's little things that you don't see don't that sort of off the ball that his positions help improve the other players he absolutely loves the club he absolutely loves it um, I mean that stuff about him keeping his flat in Birmingham all through the time he's been away because yeah. he was so desperate to come back. Um, he's a really, really good player, really, really good player, and um, I think he'll, I think he'll adapt to the Premier League well. Um, and if he put in, and look, we, again, arguably his two best performances last season were against West Ham and against Newcastle when he came off the bench in that game. So mm. he's shown he can do it at this level. So. Um, he could be huge. He could be absolutely huge. I think his quotes kind of say it all as well, doesn't he? He said it was like he almost likened it to to, to coming back home, didn't he? Yeah, he said it. He said, "Yeah, come on, yeah, come on, see his family and and uh, and his best pal as well." With Mateus, so um, it's huge. It's a. I mean, look, Bilic made it clear just how annoyed he would be if if Krivinovic didn't return, um, and that isn't because of. Look, he's a lovely. He's he's very smiley character, isn't he, Krivinovic? And yeah. He, I think he's one of those people that you can't not be happy when you're around him, which is obviously fantastic in the dressing room. But he's come back for his ability. Um, he's come back because he's a damn good midfielder. Um, and um, I think he's going to get better. I genuinely, genuinely believe um, the best from Philip, Philip Kovinovic is still to come in an Albion shirt. I think he could have a really good year. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, and obviously, striker, uh, we kind of touched on it right at the start of the podcast, but. Carlan Grant and Banyang, uh, Habib Diallo, all linked. Um, do you reckon this is one which could rattle on right until the end of of of, of Monday night, eleven p.m. deadline, of course, um, for foreign players? But obviously, Carlan Grant could happen later. But at the same time, you might lose a little bit of bargaining power if if you do go past that time. Um, is it eleven p.m. the deadline? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was five. I mean, I might be wrong, but I, might be wrong. I, I, I did look it up, and I'm pretty uh, sure it was eleven o'clock. You'll, you'll be right. You'll be right. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I know people. People. Alan Nixon put out a tweet yesterday saying, "Sort of one big final push from Albion um, to get the nil 
deal done. A lot of people sort of message me on Twitter saying, um, any news on this, any news on this, any news on this. I've got to be honest, I don't think he said anything I didn't say the day or two before, mm. um, which was essentially Albion are in talks. for a, that. What I know is, what I've been sort of told is, there's not a lot of money in the bank. Um, there really isn't a lot of money in the bank. We know that a lot, a, a large chunk of the transfer budget went on Dean Garner. And Albion are looking at plan A this over the next coming days is to bring in a striker for a hefty loan fee. When I say hefty, sort of five, six million quid. I, I think that is quite a lot of money for a loan, personally. But It is, for me. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, that's the way it sort of feels to me. But I think football's probably loan fees have changed quite significantly over the last couple of years. But a hefty loan fee in my book, five, six million pounds. Um, and that money will then be used to buy that striker permanently if they do the business for them in the Premier League. Um, mm. I think roughly that's all Slavin's got left to play with. I think that's the reason why they're trying to do the deal that way. Um, I don't think he's got £15 million to spend on a forward. Um, I think he's probably... I think look, we, had, we had reports right at the start of the window um, that he had a budget in the, between 20 and £30 million, pounds, 20 to £25 million pounds maybe. Well... If you look at 12's gone for Dean Garner, I know it's an 18 million pound deal for Dean Garner, but the 18 million is there's 12 initially. The six to the the six the, the remaining six million will be spread out over the five years of his deal, and also will be performance based and bonus based. So you'd imagine staying up would be one. So yeah, staying up would be one. So it's 12 that's gone for Dean Garner. If you look at it like that, we've had a million for Kipra, a million for Button, so that's 14 million. Rumours are half a million for Kravinovic loan, um, maybe half a million for Gallagher, you don't know, something along those lines, but they probably paid something to get Gallagher on loan. Um, that's 15 million quid they've spent there. So if he has got sort of £20 million budget left, that's that's when you get in your money for this loan. Um, mm. It does all make sense. It does all add up. Um, so that's what we understand. Do Huddersfield want to do that deal is the question. I it seems like they might. It seems like they're getting closer to an agreement. Um, five million pounds, let's say it's five, six million pounds up front, essentially gives them a lot of immediate security. And it also probably allows them to strengthen their squad. They could, um, will get a replacement for Grant, really. Yeah. Um, you could probably get a decent championship striker for that amount of money. So, And then they know that they're going to get sort of 13 million for, for him if Ab- if he scores goals and Albion stay up or they'll get him back at the end of it and be able to sell him again so you can see why it's a clever offer from Albion it's, let's be honest Albion's backs are against the wall a little bit it's, it's sort of the only offer they can really put together um, but I think I just I've always thought he will it will happen mm. um, but I'm less confident than I was of Kravinovic. Um, And and that's probably because I know that Albion have got genuine alternatives to Grant if it doesn't happen. We know Andre Gray is a genuine alternative. We know Troy Deeney is. We know Niang is. Um, So... What about the links with Islan Slimani the other day? uh, So that's that's, going to be my story tomorrow. You always do this to me, but... 
Um, yeah, so what I understand on Islam Slomani is that basically Albion have had some contact with Leicester over him, but but he's he's way way down the list. Mm. Um, essentially, look, they, they, I use it all the time the same, but you're getting your ducks in a row. Like, they, they, let's be honest, they've got to sign a striker, and they need to know who's out there, who's available, and who they can bring in. And they've made contact with Leicester. Now, Leicester will have said this is what we want for him blah 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 and Albion have gone right okay well we're going to go away and have a think about that and see they'll be honest and say he's not a number one target but we might come back to you and, that, and that's how it works um, Yeah. the issue with Slomani is he's out of contract at Leicester um, at the end of this season so they want to sell him um, they don't want to they don't want to loan him out now um, because then they'll lose him on a free next summer if they're going to get any any they paid like 20 20, 20, 20, 26 million for him. They paid a lot of money for him. They paid a lot of money for him. So look, they're not going to get anywhere near that back, obviously. They're going to get, I don't know what they'll get, not a lot, but it's better to have something than nothing. So they'd rather, they'd rather sell him um, than loan him. Albion, are they going to spend what little money they have left on a 32-year-old striker who, let's be honest, has never really scored goals in the Premier League? Um, I think it's all highly, highly unlikely. Mm. Um, but there has been that initial contact um, but but I would be very confident hit, sat here now saying that Grant Gray Deeney Niang and others abroad are ahead of Slimani in Albion's pecking order mm. um, so they'd have to miss out on a fair few I think um, for him to arrive what about outgoings? Because that's that's one which I think a couple of people are looking at the squad now and they think, you know, you've got the likes of Kenny Zahor who's, who's not been in the squad. Um, you know, Charlie Austin's been in and out. Uh, there are a couple of other players who you might look at. Maybe maybe someone like Rakeem Harper now after the, you've got like Vinovich, you've got Gallagher. Do you loan him out? What about outgoings, Joe? Um, well, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be... Um... I think like I think like in terms of when when he asked the question, could it be busy? I mean, like I said, I think not on incomings, but potentially on outgoings. Mm. Um, so the one you mentioned, there, Rakeem Harper. I mean, I put a story out with quotes from him the other day saying how he um, he's determined to push for his place and fight for his place and play Premier League football. And I've got to be honest with Rakeem Harper. I, I it sounds I his his future will not surprise me, whatever it is. I genuinely mm. think... I wouldn't be... If you told me in five years' time Rakeem Harper was a really good Premier League midfielder, I would not be surprised. Yeah. But if you told me he was sort of a bit of an average championship midfielder, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, I can't work out where, he's, where his career is going, really, but I just think raw potential, he's got everything. Um, I just think there's so much talent in him. Um, it's just whether he's going to be sort of, I don't know, savvy enough maybe on the field, but disciplined, I don't know. I don't know if that's a bit harsh on him, but... Does he manage to realise that potential? Yeah, it's just good. Is, is he going to realise that potential? So, for me, with Harper, he could only benefit from playing. Um, and is he going to play a lot this season? Look, he's probably not. If we're being honest, he's probably fall, he's fallen behind Sam Field. Um, 
based on Sam Field's natural attributes, just the fact that he is a defensive midfielder and Albion haven't got that really. Um, so, I mean, he's behind Livermore, he's behind Sawyers, he's behind Karinovic, he's behind Gallagher, he's behind Field. I think alone would suit him, but, but he says he wants to stay and fight for his place, so, so we'll see. Um, other outgoings... Kamal Grzycki, what we understand is Forrester Keane. Apparently they tried mm. to get him in January, um, but he chose Albion. Um, and then obviously Charlie Austin hasn't been in the squads for the last two Premier League games. Um, interestingly, against Brentford um, in the Carabao Cup, um there was a few questions why did Billich take off Hal robson Carney when he'd already scored two penalties and it, and it was going to a shootout mm. and the reason why is that he was actually ready to bring on Pereira um, for somebody and then robson Carney sort of tweaked his thigh oh right okay. and um, so he, he brought on Austin for robson Carney. so Austin wasn't even going to play in that game it was a, it was only a, a sort of a late injury um so Robson Carnid that got Austin minutes in that game. So uh, he hasn't been involved in the two Premier Leagues. You can't help but feel that sort of they are they are sending a message to both Austin and Grzycki, really. Yeah. Um, that you're not really part of the plans anymore. Um. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked to see either of them leave. They're going to be on decent wages. Um, and neither of them are young anymore. Mm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who, it, what suitors they've got, really, um, and whether, whether Albion can offload them because money's so tight, money's so tight everywhere. And, and unfortunately, the way football's gone, resale values are so important now. Yeah. Um, and look, Austin prob- will give you goals in a championship, and and. And Krasicki will give you a lightning, a lightning quick winger, um, but they're not going. Neither of them are going to give you a resale. No. Um, and both of them are going to be on decent wages, so it'd be interesting to see who wants to take them. Yeah, certainly will. So it could be um, a busy old day in terms of outgoings. Let's uh, let's get to questions, Joe, shall we? Let's get to questions. Um, All transfer had. related, aren't they? A couple of them. Most of them will be. Um, First, first one comes from Leo Watkins. It's not transfer related. Joe Nukovic got thirty seconds to weigh in on the handball issue. Then speak no more of it. Three, two, one, go. You can go first. Hello. Are we talking about the West Brom handball or are we talking about handball in general? I think he's talking about handball in general. The way it's dominated everything at the minute. Okay, handball in general for me should be if it's intentional handball or if your arm is up or quite clearly, you know in an unnatural position uh, which I know is a bit of grey area if the ball hits your hand it's intentional or your hand is, is way out of your cylinder way in a very unnatural position and it blocks a goal bound shot or a, or a pass um, then I think it should be handball I don't think a player who's facing away from a football with his arm literally just above his shoulder and you have jumped which by the way you try and jump without raising your arms it's not, it's not particularly easy if you want to jump as high as possible I don't think if you're facing away from a player and it hits you on the back of the arm, it should be a handball. 
I think Roy Hodgson kind of nailed it when he was speaking post post match the other day. It, it should it it's not it's not a rule which needs overcomplicating. Yeah, I I agree with that. I just say VAR. Um, it's just causing problems that no one ever thought were problems in the first place. Like last year, it was the toenail thing when you're offside. These stupid little lines coming up on your screen because somebody's like inch of a toe was offside. I mean, that, sorry for me, that is not offside. It's just not. Um, and then this year, it's handball, isn't it? It's just there wasn't. I don't think there was ever a real problem with it, but it's but but it's become a problem because of VAR. Um, it's making everything ridiculous. We're getting like a million penalties um, in games. Like, I mean, I know see the stat. It wasn't on ball, obviously. But Leicester got two penalties against Albion. They got three against Man City. I know it's not they weren't on ball all on, but like, come on, like everything's gone absolutely mad. Every game's got like absolutely loads of goals in it and stuff. It's just like it's just it's just crazy. Um, absolutely crazy. Like some like Albion have conceded eleven goals. Um, in their three games and a lot of people talk about that I'm worried about it. and someone messaged me on Twitter a chap called Andy Jones and he said yeah do you know what they have conceded 11 goals but there's there's, there's way more goals in every Premier League game all over the place like yeah. every game now is absolutely littered with goals um, it's just absolutely crazy it's, it's because of the new handball like rule that we're getting more penalties and more free kicks and stuff it's because of VAR that we're getting more free kicks and penalties and and and, it's, and he, he says, as Andy says, like defenders are afraid to do anything now. Um, they're literally afraid to tackle or throw themselves in front of a ball or make a block because they feel like the ball's going to hit their hand and it'll be a penalty or they'll be hauled up for something to, on VAR. So, I don't know, I just think it's... I don't know. When VAR was coming about, I don't think anyone envisaged it like this. It's just so extreme and so mm. unnecessary, a lot of it. Um, but there we go I've never been a fan of it to be honest I didn't think there's anything wrong with just leaving it to the ref well I'll tell you what some you look back a couple of years and you see some of the decisions made you can you can see the thinking behind it I just think I was always a fan of VAR coming in I just think it's been implemented the wrong way I like the fact that they can go to the monitors now I think they need to do that more I don't think referees should be given for stuff like handballs I think they should just be able to see it in real time. Give them all the angles they want, but I think it needs to be seen in real time because when you do something in super slow motion, anything can look you know, intended or something like that, when in reality, you need to see it in real time for me. I mean, I haven't, I've, I've got to be honest, I probably haven't done as much research into VAR as I should have, but why don't they all go to the monitors? I don't understand. Why? Why, why don't they just go to the monitors? I think it's because you know sometimes they might have missed it, or the person in Stockley Park says, "I think you might need to take a look at this because you might have missed it." I think if it's going to be hard for referees to maintain consistency because one referee might go to the monitor because of a challenge which he he looked at, another referee may not have gone to the monitor over it. I suppose it's time, isn't it? But for anything like that, for any like big moment in a game, like a pen- for a penalty. Just go go and have a look at the monitor. Yeah, I mean it's fair. It's fairly obvious. I mean that handball in the Spurs game. I know this wasn't Albion related, but I don't think there were many players appealing for that as handball. No one was really looking at a game and saying, "Yeah, that's handball. That is. I need to. We need, we need to take a look at that." I think everyone was kind of perplexed by it. 
I think it's fairly obvious when you need to go and have a look at something. Mm -hmm. But it's what it is. Uh, next question comes from Brim Reese. Will the ENS be covering Joe's internal lighting slash car battery costs as he continues his vehicular-based post-match reporting in the darker days closing in? Very luckily, I've got a company car. Yeah, you can't be claiming uh, extra uh, expenses on yeah, that. Yeah, uh, it is annoying. I can't. I mean, we used to be able to stay in grounds basically as long as we wanted, didn't we, to finish our work. But now, COVID mm. world, we've booted out. Um, yeah, those car vids aren't great, are they? I mean, I, I enjoy them, mate, but we, there won't be one this weekend. No. Because fortunately, Southampton have been nice enough to provide me accreditation as well as Mr. Massey, so... Bless you, mate. Bless you. You apply no matter what, even though you get constantly rejected. But you love yep. the Albion so much that you even apply to go to Southampton. You've basically gone for the second longest trip of the season, we think, don't we? Well, it's up there. It's definitely top three or four. Yeah, I think Newcastle's the longest. And you couldn't, you, you just can't wait to be there, can you? I just love covering the Albion. You love the Albion. I don't love the Albion. I love, love covering the Albion. I love that you're making the trip to Southampton when you don't have to for um, a 12 o'clock kickoff. You haven't been any other game, mate. You could do it at home. It'd be fine. I've, I've tried to, though. Yeah. So you always get a better experience in the game. Um sure Beauty Baggy, if we fail to stay up this season, do you see Prem clubs coming in for Pereira, etc.? Um, I mean, you're talking about relegation very early. Uh, but I do think Pereira and Dean Garner would be right at the top of many teams' lists. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah, like, yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. And look, I mean... <laughs> He carries on like this, it might be hard to keep him if Albion stay up, let's be honest. I mean, he's already got, what's he got? Has he been involved in our little bet, our Jack Grealish, Mateus Pereira bet? Uh, bear in mind, Grealish has been involved in one less Premier League game so far this season. Yeah, that doesn't worry me. He, he did score, though, against Fulham. But we're doing involved in goals, aren't we? Yeah, I think Pereira's on three. Yeah, and he's on one, is he? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's only played three games, Pereira. Um, yeah. So he's essentially worth a goal a game at the minute. Um, so yeah, look, do I look? I think we're all going to just enjoy Mateus's Pereira career. Let's enjoy him at the Albion while we while we got him. Hopefully, he'll be there for a very long time. But I personally think he could play for anyone. Hmm. Liam Dern, uh, what do you have for your pre-match or half-time food now? Corporate etc. is not happening. That is a good old question. Well, it's not because we don't get anything. Well, it's a good question, though. Uh, want to know what? Do, what do you have? Well, I eat at home if it's a home game. What you okay Sunday, for example? What are you doing? Oh, I had a roast before Sunday. Oh no, no, before Chelsea, I had a roast dinner. Well, no, home. I'm on about this Sunday coming up. It's twelve o'clock kickoff, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'm going to stop at maybe like the Mackies on the way. Get get a breakfast. Yeah. Do they still do breakfast in this COVID world? I think it's back now. Barbecue chicken legend came back. Oh, did it? Yeah, up on the other night. That is huge news for me. Uh, so, yeah, what I'll be doing is I'll probably pick up um, a breakfast on the way. Uh, the, the issue is I'll need to take something as well because that breakfast will not keep me full. I'm going to have to take something into the ground to eat. And then after the game, I'll probably collate with you and maybe any of the other journalists who have happened to travel. See if they want to want to share a drive a drive through KFC or something like that. So you're not rolling out two in one day, are you? What's that? You're not rolling out two McDonald's in one day, are you? Oh, it, I mean it's it is tempting. 
We'll, we'll, we'll discuss. We'll discuss. Yeah. I might get you still my player ratings on Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah. And then obviously edit them when you've done them, but... Oh, yeah, like, like you did last like time. Like did last time, yeah. Oh, they were a masterpiece as well, <laughs> and only very few people got to read them. Um, Ryan P. Glasgow, another brilliant question. You walk into Greg's, oh, what are you purchasing? questions. <laughs> They're brilliant... Brilliant question, Ryan. Keep them coming. If I walk into Greg's, I'll tell you exactly what I'm having. I'm walking in, socially distanced, of course, with my face mask on, and I'm asking for a steak bake and a sausage roll. Mm. Nice. What about you? I'd have a latte, a sausage roll, and a white chocolate cookie. Solid. I love their white chocolate cookies. Sweet and savoury. How about that? Yeah. James Duffy, are we in for Tom Ince? No. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't think he's Premier League quality for me. Um, but, look, the truth, the God's honest truth is, this could really come back to bite me. But I can't, I can't, every link that comes out on every website, do you know what I mean? There's so much rubbish out there, so much nonsense, that I can't ring round and ask people every single player that pops up. Um, mm. I've got to use a bit of common sense with it. Um, so I haven't made any calls on Tom Ince so he might sign tomorrow but I really don't think he's got to is he I mean he's not the type of player I'll be new I, don't, I mean let's in. be honest where does he fit in I mean he's a winger we've got a, an absolute abundance of wingers um, who can't get a game anyway um, let's be honest we've got Matt Phillips Kamal Grzycki Kyle Edwards Mateus Pereira Grady Dean Garner I think we're well stocked for wingers Um and is he better than any of them? I don't think he is. I'm not sold. Um, um, so I might be. I might. I don't know his honest answer, but it, I would be surprised. Yeah, me too. With Albin's budget as well, by the way. There's other priorities, isn't there? Let's be honest. Yeah, definitely. Jack Wharton asks, any option to buy in the Kravinovic deal? I don't think so, but again, I don't know. Um, um, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I would be surprised if there is. There wasn't last season, um, which kind of tells you how Benfica like to do their business. Mm. Um, I think it's... I think Albion are a bit lucky to get him, to be honest, um, for a 500k loan fee. And I think Benfica are very much seeing it as he's in the shot window. Um well, it benefits them both ways, doesn't it? Because they can say, all right, okay, we'll loan him out to you, but we don't want to stick a a price on him right now. If he does really well, then you can charge silly money for him. And if he doesn't do great, then you can say, well, you can have him for this, and it's probably no no less than what you would have got him for this summer. Yeah, I, I, I think by the sounds of it, Albion hadn't, couldn't, can't afford Kravinovic and the striker. Um, so that's why they've had to do these loan deals. Um, it sounds like they couldn't get near what Benfica actually wanted for him um, and I think it is a bit of a gamble on their part because if he doesn't have a great season then an Albion go down they're obviously not going to have as much money to play with to buy him next summer um, mm. but we'll see we'll see if he if, if he has a stormer obviously then um, it'd be worth a lot more but I think Albion is so cautious with their money, understandably, because they haven't got an owner that invests. That, that, that 
there may there may be an option you never know but there, there certainly won't be an obligation mm. um so it's all a bit up in the air at the minute Albion News Gaming. Hi Joe, I'm getting football manager for the first time this year. Any tips? So that's my kind of question. It's a good question. Um, uh, oh, by the way, football manager is going to be in the new Xbox. Is Can't it? wait for that. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, I can't give you many tips because every game is so... Um, it's, it evolves, like football evolves, football manager evolves to try and keep up with football. So, tactically, you can't really... every the start of new every new game is different so every edition of the game is different so um, I can't unfortunately I am having a very successful season with Monaco at the minute um, and the one thing I would say is play with a high line of engagement and a high attack so basically squeeze the squeeze and press the hell out of the opposition because for <laughs> some reason the game loves that but it might not it might not in a new edition so um, but believe me you don't want to get me talking about football manager because I can talk about that longer than I can talk about I'll be, I'll be, I could double the length of time on this podcast because oh, I love to it. Do that in future. I do love it. Uh, Jace B Ford 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 question mark. Um, but also with all the midfield talent available, what is going to be the best formation for West Brom this season? Uh, uh, I think you'll go back four three three. You know, I think so too. Um, and I think that's why he was so keen to get Kravinovic and so keen to get Gallagher. Um, it's going to be so interesting to see how he goes at Southampton because there is this I think he was really brave you know I mean Bilic to stick with 3-4-3 I mean I thought he always thought he would against Chelsea but he came in for a lot of stick for it Mm. Um, a lot of stick for it Um, but I'm glad he stuck with it and I think he was right to stick with it do yeah, it's just it's, it's a difficult one because it's a first game, isn't it, where Albion aren't playing someone who, let's be honest, the fixtures has been really tough. Leicester and Everton are top of the league. Yeah. Um, Leicester just smashed Man City. Um, Everton look like they're going to win every week. Um, and Chelsea have spent about £700 million on players. So it's a first game that every Premier League game is difficult and every Premier League team have got genuine quality we know that and Southampton no different Danny Ings James Ward-Prowse I really like Nathan Redmond but from what I've read he might be injured which I think is a massive plus um, but is he going to go 4-3-3 is he going to just take the shackles off um, a little bit um, it's going to be interesting I think he'll go 4-3-3 eventually but I think they'll switch between a back 3 and a back 4 throughout the season I think it'll be horses for courses, and I think now, I think we'll we'll see the three four three five four one quite a lot against um, like the bigger sides, mm. especially away Sunil, from home probably as well. Sunil Patel kind of follows that up. He says we've played three decent teams and set up to play exclusively on the counter. Uh, now we face the so-called lesser sides. Can you see us taking the same approach or trying to dominate possession a bit more? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they'll try. I mean, you'd like to think, in, t- in terms of the possession stats, they'll be a little bit more even now. Mm. Um, 45, 55, 50%, whatever, either way, sort of. Just what you'd normally see from a football match, if you know what I mean. Rather, than, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. It's tactics, isn't it? I mean, Leicester beat Man City with like 20-odd percent possession, didn't they? They did the same thing Albion have been doing, basically. Yeah. 5-4-1 without the ball, camping and... Um, 
So, but you'd like to think that the truth is, and this is what probably has got lost a little bit and what when I went on my rant last week at the start for a bit more positive positivity, um, it's Albion have got very, very good technical footballers. Mm. Romain Sawyer is technically lovely. Conor Gallagher is technically good. Kravinovic is technically good. We know Dean Garner is. We know Pereira is. We know Robinson is. Um, so they can... Well, we saw them every week last week basically dominate the ball So last season. So mm. um, we know they can do it. I think they will be have a start to have a lot more positioning games. But also, um, I think being able to play on the counter-attack will be massive from this season because the truth is they just couldn't do it last year because no one attacked them. Yeah. So many teams sat back against them. It was such a it was such a luxury to be able to counter. And I think, obviously, Pereira and Dean Garner are going to be devastating on a counter-attack. So, as Sunil says, I think, that, I think the possession stats will definitely move towards a lot more even. Um, but also, I've, Albin will be able to counter more... Um, just because teams will be, like Southampton will have a go at them. Yeah. Um, whereas, let's be honest, a lot of teams last year, you think, came to the Hawthorns um, and just dug in. Um, so I, f- I think that's a plus that they're going to be able to count them all this season. Mm. Tom Grove asks, um, many of us, myself included, have talked about our season really starts against Southampton. Now that we're finally here, how many points do you think we should be targeting for the upcoming four games right those four games are Southampton away mm. Burnley at home Brighton away and Fulham away and it's, 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 it's harsh they're all away isn't it yeah Burnley the one only the only real one at home Burnley don't look brilliant at the moment I don't think you need to be too worried about going Fulham away judging by their back line at the moment uh, of course they'll have transfers done and dusted by then but my word Villa to, to quote Roy Keane they made Aston Villa look like Bayern Munich <laughs> and and I I loved watching the game. Don't get me wrong. And it was it was nice uh, to watch a game where the result was pretty much out of question. Uh, but oh my word, they look poor at the back for them. I probably take six points. Is that a lot? So you're you're saying two wins from that and two defeats? Yeah. I think I'd go for seven. You know, four seven's think- a lot. Seven's a lot, mate. I think draw against Southampton, get a win against Burnley. I think Brighton will have too much, and then beat for them. I'm not saying that's what I expect. I think that's they could do that. Yeah, seven points would be lovely. Because Brighton, I mean, I don't know if you watched their game the other day against United, but I mean they absolutely pummeled United all game. I don't know how they lost it. Yeah, I, I, I only saw it on match of the day. They hit the post and bar about five oh, times. Oh, no, yeah, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Um, but Burnley, I think, are early shout from me to be in some trouble. I, I just think you can't sustain the kind of method they have in terms of the way they play and getting results I just I don't think it's completely sustainable I think, I think if Dyche Dodgers... left they'd be in trouble but I think while he's there they're always going to be alright I think they've got like a set of good players but I can see someone coming in for Tarkowski you know oh yeah well yeah it's, I mean, definitely interesting him isn't there it'd be huge and if then, he left like, how are you going to replace him I just I do worry and I think Dyche's you might be getting to the end of his tether there, like just a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, he's it feels literally like been that, given no it? money. 
Yeah. I mean, we moan about the money that Albion maybe have, have been given to Billage, but my word, you look at Burnley. I think they've only signed Will Norris. He's like a third-choice goalkeeper. Yeah. I do worry for him. I think Brighton are a very good side. Southampton are, are beatable the way they've started the season, but I think they'll get a draw. And as I said, Fulham are just dreadful at the back. Yeah. So seven points for me. I think I'd be happy with six, though. Yeah, six. You take six. You take six. Six would mean that after seven games, we'd be on seven points. That's all you need, really. A point a game. Point a game. Yeah. Um, and you should be all right. Uh, David Clinton. Any insight into Billich's mood? Seems upbeat and positive, but the window has been tough for all promoted clubs. I wonder if it's taken any toll. Um. Yeah, pretty much exactly as you tweeted it. Really, he is very, very he is very upbeat and very positive. Um, it's sort of his nature, really. Um, very, always the same. It's a gentleman. That's the only way I can describe Billich. He's just a gentleman. He's gracious of his time. It, it sort of if whenever we have a press conference with him, that we could stay there for hours. We don't. It lasts about an hour now. The presses, um, mm. but we could stay there for hours, and he would answer all the questions. He'd never sort of. He's never he'd never walk away. He's never he just he always is so gracious of his time. He really is, um, and he's upbeat. He's positive. I think he's excited about the squad he's got. Is he frustrated about the lack of funds? Yes, he is. Of course, he is. So is Luke Dowling. Mm. They would love hundred and fifty million and to go out and Luke Dowling would absolutely love to ring up Brentford and say, "Do you want thirty million for Ollie Watkins? Um, you can have it." Um, Everyone at Albion wants more money. Absolutely everyone. Um, and obviously Slavin's no different. Um, but but there's a real togetherness in this team. There's a real bond. There's a real spirit. Um, a Slavin's team, aren't they? Like You mm. know, like sometimes managers say um, they need a couple of windows or whatever. Um, there was a big, obviously, rebuild last summer, but even from basically from day one it's been Slavin's team really and I think because he's so likeable and approachable and the players enjoy playing from so much that's just the way it, things work under him you can't not want to play for him um, so I think he's I think he's infused um, and I think he's genuinely optimistic about their hopes I think like I said he want more money he probably want a few more additions um, he sort of hinted with a Sam Field the other day he really likes Sam Field he really rates him Mm. Um, does Slavin maybe feel Samfield needs one more loan potentially maybe he does um, but he hasn't got the money to bring in another defensive midfielder um, so Samfield's going to stay and play his part so I think that's where Slavin is with it really like he, with things like that he, he, look, of course he'd like a bit more money but his group of players his team they do what they're told don't they? the discipline they showed against Chelsea was fantastic um, they follow his lead. They follow his instructions. So yeah, I think he's. I think he, he. He's in good spirits. He really, really is. He's in good spirits and like, like believes they can really give it a good go. Yeah, for sure. Last question. Um, and as, I mean, it's absolutely superb from Matt WBA. Favorite warm dessert. Oh god. For me, either does a waffle count. A waffle probably counts. Waffles are great dessert with a little bit of like Nutella and maybe some like flake and Maltese on there. If not that, a warm 
chocolate brownie. Yeah, oh, that's my favourite. Right. I'll take that. Okay, crack on. You really hate food questions, yes, don't you? You hate them. Right, let's get on to Southampton away um, to finish up. Um, it has been said that this is where the season really starts, but um, do, do, do you believe that notion? Uh, well, I did say it um, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and obviously, it was I was wrong. It isn't where the season starts. The season's begun, and we got a brilliant point against Chelsea. Um, so it's just, it's what I said earlier. Really, it's just it's horrible because look, Southampton are a really good side. They're a really good side. Look, Danny Ings is in the form of his life, uh, deservedly in the England squad scored God knows loads of goals last season scoring goals this season he's a brilliant striker um, he really is so Southampton are really really dangerous but it's just interesting because probably if they have their best season if everything goes perfectly for them they'd probably still finish about 8th wouldn't they yeah 8th or ninth. whereas you don't see him pushing Europe you don't see him pushing Europe and if the season ended and they were 12th, you'd probably expect that, wouldn't you? 12th, 13th, whatever, Southampton are there, thereabouts. You can't, we kind of look at them as a team that's too good to go down, not good enough to do it, anything um, at the top end. So it's just the first time, if we're being honest, that they've, play, they've played someone who isn't going to be top six mm. uh, and who doesn't have that incredible quality all over the pitch which you've got to say I mean like Leicester and Everton do yeah. they, they've got good players everywhere um, so it's, it is it is fascinating it is going to be fascinating to see how Billich lines them up it is the first game that um, is against a so-called lesser side although I, I don't mean that with any disrespect because they're obviously a damn good side could Alvin could lose it 2-0, two, two Danny Ings goals, and I don't think anyone would be surprised, would they? But, but also they could go there and win it, feels like. It feels like they could go there and really and win the game. Um, mm. Whereas maybe we haven't had that before, really. We thought it was always going to be tough to sort of beat the three teams that we've played so far. So it's, not, it's going to be really nice to see Albion up against... Um, an average Premier League side, for want of a better word. I think the big question comes in midfield, doesn't it? Do you see, I mean, obviously the formation, but if we see four three three, like I think most fans will probably expect now, will it be Kravinovic or will it be Gallagher? I mean, you wouldn't have thought it would be Kravinovic. So I think I think it's a little bit too early to throw him in. Um, the issue is that they did so well against Chelsea. I think mm. Billich would have always had it in his mind maybe to go 4-3-3 for, South, for Southampton. But they did so well against Chelsea. And Look, when it's 5-4-1, it has been 5-4-1 a lot. That, that is a very defensive formation, there's no doubt about it. Isn't it? Like you can't say anything else. I mean, like a back five. Um, but, but when it's 3-4-3, it's very attacking. Um, yeah. And they can... So they can still get out and attack Southampton in in the three four three. So they might stick with that. They might stick with that. Um, I, I mean, honestly, it's impossible to know. 
It's impossible to know. It's, it's going to be at 2 o'clock, or not well, not 2 o'clock, 11 o'clock, when the team sheet comes out, um, that we'll get a real sort of inkling. Because we're speaking to Slavin on Friday, but he won't give anything away. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. So. We'll see then. What's what's your 11 then? Finish it up. Give me your 11. Oh, um, should we go 4-3-3? Three, three? I'd go 4-3-3 three, three with Gallagher for me. Yeah, I think I'd do the same. So it'll be... Oh, it's harsh. That... Yeah. Harsh to drop Furlong. Yeah, he has been good. But you can't... We know that Bilic doesn't like... Tends to play one defensive. Yeah, I'd probably go... Johnston, O'Shea, Bartley, Ajay, Townsend, Livermore, Sawyers, Gallagher, Dean Garner, Phillips... Dean Garner, Phillips, Dean Garner, Pereira, Robinson... Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I think that'd be the the way the way to go. Um, right, that just about does us. Unless you have got anything else to add, mate? No, all good, mate. All good, all good. Right, okay. Um, Southampton on Sunday. See you there. We see it's our first because we've been separated for this podcast. We're back apart, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We only had two together. That's it, and then second wave, mate. But then uh, I get to see your face in sunny Southampton. Well, hopefully it's sunny. Making a long journey to see the team you love. I love it team I love covering um, right yeah that just about does us uh, Southampton on Sunday hopefully we'll see Albion get their first three points of the season until then a fond farewell from me and Mr Massey goodbye